You can be sure of one thing when a preacher takes his watch off. And that is, he's taken his watch off. I'll just read the passage that we're referring to over these last few weeks. Galatians 5 and verse 22. It says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. These fruits are not just virtues. They are not just moral excellences. Because there are those, these sort of qualities are reproduced in other religions as well. Hinduism has its list of virtues. Islam has 36 everyday virtues like contentment and, and, um, and discipline and generosity. Buddhism has, its, has a list of, of 10 perfections. But the other belief systems rely on the adherents striving very hard and very long to actually see these qualities outworked in their lives. But the difference with the Christian faith and what we're reading about the fruits is that it's the result of God's life coming up within us and being evident in our lives. I think that's an awesome thing. When Paul wrote this book, he used the word fruit, and the Greek, the Greek word for fruit is karpos, and it means that it's, it's the product of an inherent energy of a living organism. In other words, that which is, that which is produced by the, by the inherent energy of a living organism, and, and you and I have this living organism inside us, the Spirit of God. When it, do we strive? Of course we strive. But we rely on the spirit that is producing this life within us. Two weeks ago, we had Easter. A few weeks' time, we'll celebrate the ascension. So there's 40 days between when Jesus rose again and when he left this place. And when he left, he, he left us, he sent us the Holy Spirit to guide and to, to be our comforter. But there, there are some aspects of the Holy Spirit that I just want to make really personal because he gave us the Holy Spirit to, to empower us and to, and to give us boldness and courage to be his witnesses. And so that when we're faced with indifference or oppression or persecution or whatever, the Holy Spirit was within us to, to empower us and to give us courage. He gave us the Holy Spirit to get in, in the gifts of the Spirit that he, is, that he has actually planted within us in our capacity Gifts that, that will enable us to live on a level above the natural, that help us in all our relational facets of life, that help us and assist us in worship to God with the gift of tongues, when we can praise him with words that we cannot utter in our language, and when we can bring requests to God that we just cannot fathom from, the, from our own knowledge of the, the words that we use, and we can bring, bring our requests to him with a gift of tongues. We can relate to God on that level. 
And we relate to each other too with, with the gifts of the Spirit, with encouragement, words of knowledge and words of, words of wisdom and the prophetic. And we've given, been given the gifts to actually impart and, and live in the nat, above the natural in the relationships that we have in the world around us. Miracles and the gift of healings. Great, it's wonderful what God has put within us. It really is. It's, it's incredible. I just wish that we would grab hold of it and understand that this life, this inherent energy is a result, is, is a life-giving organism that's within us. And of course, the fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit, the way that, that, that the quality, the, the nature and the character of Jesus is outworked in our daily lives. And those are the lists that we've just read. Now, do I just sit back and let God? No, we don't. I have to work at what God, firstly, I work at what, what God puts his finger on. You know, sometimes I'm not that patient. Sometimes I'm, you know, can not always be loving. And so God puts his finger on stuff and we have to work at that. But primarily, the role that I have is to make this place that he wants to reside in comfortable for the Holy Spirit to live and to for his life to be nurtured within me. You understand that? So that's the primary thing I have to do is to encourage and nurture the work of the Spirit, the life of the Spirit in my life. Right. Ever wondered why there is some significance in this, in the list of the fruits of the Spirit? I mean, did, is love first because it's the most important? And is self-control last because it's the least important? Or is self-control last because it's kind of a, a capstone for the, for the other fruits? In other words, sometimes you need self-control to be able to you know, operate in peace. Sometimes you need self-control to be gentle. You need self-control to be loving. Is it a capstone or is it perhaps the fact that, that, that there's two bookends to, these, to this vast, rich fruit bowl, if you like? The, the, the bookends being love and self-control. And we'll come back to that later on, but this morning we're looking at self-control. So what is self-control? Self-control is to be, able, to be able to master oneself, to be able to marshal and direct your energies wisely. Well, that's not easy, is it? To be able to, to self-discipline. The Jewish writer Philo, no, his second name wasn't pastry, <laughs> Jewish writer Philo said to be able to to be able to have control over every desire. Control over every desire. Now, that's not easy. We know that. Self-control. Now, I've got to admit that I struggle at times with self-control. You struggle sometimes with self-control. Come on, be honest. Yeah, okay. Everybody else's eyes are closed. You can put your hands up. We struggle with self-control. Look, sometimes I find, generally I'm okay at loving, I'm okay at being gentle and peaceful, generally. But, you know, when I picked up self-control as the message I was going to speak, maybe it was the fruit I should have put straight back in the bowl. But, but self-control. Like the time I was stung by a swarm of wasps. Now, it was a, a pleasant summer's evening, about 7.15. I was at home by myself, early February. Viv had gone out which was a good thing for two reasons. Because no wife should ever be exposed to the stupidity that her husband was going to be going through in the next half an hour. Secondly, 
One of us had to be spiritualists at this time, and Viv had gone to a worship practice, and I was going to be very unspiritual. But as, after Viv had driven down the drive, I was walking down the drive, and there'd been some heavy wind and blowing some branches onto the drive, and so I picked up some branches and threw them onto the bank. Throwing a big branch or a reasonable-sized branch onto the bank, I disturbed a wasp's nest in a, in a, 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 um, a rotten tree stump. And they all got agitated and started to chase me. And I rushed back to the garage, but not fast enough. And they followed me, and I got stung about eight times. One of them got inside my T-shirt. I know, thank you for the sympathy. Um, one of them got stung and stung me on the chest. And I got really angry. I ripped off my T-shirt, chucked it on the driveway, and rushed inside and tried to gather my senses. But sadly, I didn't gather my self-control. So I, I, I kind of was working out a plan of attack, and in the, in the plan going through my head, I went outside again to the drive, picked up my T-shirt, shook it like crazy, put it back on again, but there was a wasp still in the T-shirt, right in the armpit, and I got a sting in the armpit. At this time, I was angry, I was wild, and I had lost my self-control. Yes, I was an elder at that time, so it could have been grounds for dismissal, couldn't it? And so I worked on a plan of war. Now, I know, guys, you can get some carbaryl from Mitre 10, which is a white powder that you can put at the front of the wasp nest. And the wasp, the wasps at evening time get, get their feet on this white powder and they take it to the nest. And it's kind of an efficient extermination of the nest. Well, I want to tell you, I was not interested in an efficient extermination. I want global destruction of this whole species of wasp. So my plan was this. I got the weed spray out of the garage and I filled it full five litres of 96-octane petrol. <laughs> got a box of matches and I started to put armour on so I was going to be protected. So I put my yellow weatherproof gear on, which is trousers and a, and a jacket, and then I put my gumboots on and a back, black balaclava over my head <laughs> With, go with safety goggles on here. And then I put gloves on and I taped everything up with black polythene. And I had black polythene around my gumboots, around my waist, around here, there, and there was just no way. But, but the thing is, I couldn't move. I felt like, I felt like David in Saul's armour. I mean, <clears throat> and I looked down at myself and I thought, gee, I look just like a big wasp, but black and yellow. And I thought, what say, what say they think I'm a queen and they come and do inappropriate things to me, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> so here I was. So I grabbed the I grabbed the hose. I turned the tank. We have, we have a tank with water because we live rural. Have a tank of water, and and then I turned the tank on, turned the pump on, turned the hose tap on, but not the not the little nozzle at the end of the hose, and had the hose in one hand, and the the petrol in the other, and the weed spray, and waddled out to the nest like this. And I pumped about two to three liters of petrol into the nest. <laughs> stood back a couple of metres and flicked my match. Yes, it was going to happen. And it did. It was a mighty explosion that blew the, blew the stump out of the ground and started, and started a fire. <laughs> and the fire started to spread up through the trees. <clears throat> I thought to myself, no worry, I've got my hose. Turned the hose on, turned the nozzle on, there was no water. The tank had run dry. <clears throat> so here I was... Fire going up towards the neighbour's place, smoke coming up through the trees, what do I do? So I 
always a, there's always a plan B, and that is the fire extinguisher in the garage, of course. So I waddled off down to the garage, got the fire extinguisher out of the garage, and upstairs to the kitchen, got the fire extinguisher from there, came back. As I was coming down the drive, the neighbour had heard the explosion <laughs> and seen the smoke or both or whatever, walked up the drive, seen the weed spray, thought it was water, gathered that in his hand and was about to put it on the flames. And I just saw him in time and I said, he's a lovely guy, very serious, lovely guy though. And I said, no, and I can't talk because my mouth is all taped up. Oh, no, no. He looks at me, (laughs) shakes his head like that, puts the weed spray down and walks down the drive. And I what? Anyway, I put the fire out with the with the um, the fire extinguishers. But you know, for many months afterwards, I would drive down the road and I'd be scared to look into his property. But when I did, I could see him looking, and he would just go like this. <laughs> I thought I thought the day it happened, he was going going to call the cat scam, the cat team to come and see me. Anyway, we've we have our relationship has has kind of regenerated, if you like, since then, and we have talked. But I did notice the first time we talked, he used very slow and short words, as if I had some mental impairment, you know. All right. So. So if losing my, if losing my rag with a, because of a swarm of wasps was an issue for me, and that caused me to lose you know, my self-control. What are some of the other issues that where, where self-control is a real challenge to us? What are some of the other things in life where, where we're faced with the challenge of losing our self-control, where we just get over the edge of it? What are some of the... Anyone? Traffic. Traffic. Yeah, it's a, it's a given, isn't it? What else? <clears throat> Sorry? Teenagers. Teenagers. <laughs> oh, Easy. We've got some here, you know. <laughs> Teenagers, okay. Parents, we lose parents, we have a problem, don't we? <clears throat> yeah, that's right. What are, what are other areas that we tend to lose self-control? Sorry? The computer, yeah. Can't that cause us to go wild, eh? Yeah, what else? Food? Food, you mean the desire for food? Yeah. Oh, come on, Really? Yeah, yeah, that's true. What else? Yeah. iPads. Yeah, that's right. Anything else? Lust. Yes, Ben. I was going to say, Ben, you're too old for that, Ben, but however. (laughs) Yes, that's dead right. We lose self-control. We get out of control. Controlling our sexual desires. Yep. Right, okay, and, and that what? We get angry with that? Obviously someone's angry and are we tempted to get angry back and respond in that manner? Yeah. Anything else? I got a, um, we're going to show just a, a clip or a, a few examples, Jane, if you can, yeah. So there's food, okay? Doesn't, can't that cause us to lose self-control? What's another one? Can't? Oh, the Mercedes sports car. Oh, yeah, okay, the new car. Another one? The sale. Oh, hey, come on, ladies. How many ladies lose self-control when the sale sign comes up, eh? <clears throat> Next one. 
Oh, now sometimes that's a challenge, isn't it? The crying baby. Yeah, yeah. Next one. Oh, guys, guys whistling. Yeah. All right. Self-control. The traffic ticket. Yeah. Next one. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I, I googled large dessert, but I got large desert. So sorry. <laughs> Next one. Next one. Yeah, that's it. There. Yeah, you got it. Okay. And next one. <clears throat> okay. X-rated pornography, road rage. <clears throat> <clears throat> traffic, I think. Bruce mentioned traffic. Now there's one. <clears throat> How would you feel? How would you feel if every time you went out into the garden you saw your neighbour tending and shaping his tree to give you a brown eye? What sort of how would that challenge your self-control? <laughs> okay, thanks very much. <clears throat> I was on jury service this week and I just was thinking about this morning and just reflecting on our court system and how many people go before the courts because of a lack of self-control. Alcohol, lust, a substance abuse, anger, losing the temper. Our court systems are full of people who have lost control, unable to discipline themselves. Today, this weekend, we are remembering a war, a terrible war. Now, there's always debate about who, which country started the war. Was it Serbia, was it Hungary, Austria, or Germany, or whatever? But generally it was a bunch of old, stupid, foolish men who couldn't control their lust for power, their desire to, to for revenge, domination, out of control. Older men, stupid and foolish men who dragged the world into war that cost the lives of millions of young men and young women. Self-control got a list of six little practical helps that will assist us in developing self-control. Use manners, socially accepted way of interacting with people. Be polite, treat people well. When someone is wanting to pull into the line of traffic out of a service station and there's a huge line, it doesn't hurt you to stop and let that person in. When someone wants to, is in a hurry and wants to get in front of you at the checkout counter, let them in. Treat people well. Secondly, practice everything in moderation. Don't eat the whole cake if one slice will do. Thirdly, practice delayed gratification. Leave the cake till tomorrow. I think, um, didn't David talk about delayed gratification last week? Didn't he? And talking about in, in sexuality, yeah. Number four, refuse to resort to swearing and raging. Practice staying calm. Well, that's not always easy, is it? Take up activity or sport that teaches you inner focus. Viv and I have taken up cycling. <laughs> yeah, don't know about the inner focus. I'm trying to work on the outer perimeter rather than the inner focus. But, but um, number six, think before you speak or act. And I would add to that, think before you click send on the email. Sometimes you get an email and boy, you're just going to fire one straight back. Who's had that? Think before you resend the email. 
Okay. All right, those are just some practical steps. I want us now to dig a little bit deeper and to go a little bit wider with this. We can um, turn that off now and have the next one, actually. But there are four aspects of self-control relating back to Galatians 5 and looking at it from a biblical perspective. The first one is self-control is life important. And the first point up there is a sticky. What, I mean, I think Ben referred to a takeaway before that we take home with us. I like to call it a sticky. In other words, a bit like a bit of masking tape that gets caught on the sole of your shoe. So when you're in here, you pick up a sticky and you take it out the door. The first sticky is this. The presence or absence of self-control is one of the most determining factors in whether you do well or you have serious problems in your Christian life. You got that? It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not speaking in tongues. It's the presence or absence of self-control. I know people who have lived what appeared to be a very good, effective Christian life, but the downward spiral started because of a lack of self-control in some area. There are two passages that two passages in Proverbs that talk about the presence or the absence of self-control. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls, defenseless, unable, to, vulnerable, unable to defend against the enemy, vulnerable to attack. But the presence of self-control in Proverbs 16, it's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. And of course, these, this passage or the Proverbs was written in a time when, when the show of strength was to be able to conquer a city. And of course, cities aren't defined by population as they are today with 20,000 people. Cities were defined by any village that had a wall around it. So Ekadahuna had a wall around it. It could be called a city. So the show of strength was actually to be able to conquer a city. And here it's saying it's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. It's better to have a resilient, strong, effective life, being able to master yourself than to control a city. So firstly, Self-control is life important. Secondly, self-control is life encompassing. Every dimension of your life. Firstly, our body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and, what was, and was given to you by God? What is there about the temple? What is about the body being the temple? Anybody? What, what's so significant about the temple? What does that mean? Well, it's easy for us to, to quote that and say the body is a temple. It's kind of an Old Testament um, uh, theme coming through there. But what does it, what does it mean for, for our body to be the temple? What does it mean? Sacred place. sacred place. Yeah, it's a place that's sacred where God dwells. Nothing, no substance or nothing else should govern our body than God himself. We need to get the proper rest. We need to avoid the extremes of laziness on one hand or being a workaholic on the other. We need to have a healthy diet. We need good exercise. We need to have control over our sexual desires, the body. Don't allow anything or any substance other than God to govern us. The mind. Set your mind on number two. Yep, here we go. Set our mind on things above. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best and not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. 
things to praise, not things to curse. I look upon the mind as being like my home. And the mind, I have a, I have a front door to, my, to our house and we have a front door to our mind. There are times when the front door is open and I allow people to come in and enrich our lives, our friends and guests who want to, who wanna, you know, impart life to us. But there are times when I want to shut the door and lock it because I want to protect what's inside. And the mind is like that. Keep it open at times, but the times where we need to learn to lock it off. Keep it closed, okay? All right, the next one to come with our tongue. Oh, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. And of course, the passage we often refer to in James about the, uh, the, uh, the tongue being a, a fire and a tiny spark can start a great forest fire and the tongue is a flame of fire. Abusive speech or remarks that can tear, each, tear other people down. The words spoken in anger. Telling dirty jokes or inappropriate talk about sex. Gossip and slanderous talk. Watch what we say. Time. Time is what we want most, but what we use worst. Isn't that right? Time is a valuable asset that should not be wasted. And a couple of others there as well. Finances, relationships. And uh, number three. So firstly... Self-control is life-important. Secondly, self-control is life-encompassing. Thirdly, self-control is lifelong. It's a lifelong discipline. Don't believe any other lie. Don't believe that you can be prayed for for self-control and everything will be okay. For some of us, there will be issues that will take a lifelong to master. You got that? It's a lifelong discipline. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And Paul says, so I walk by the Spirit and I live by the Spirit. And elsewhere in Philippians 3, he says, not that I've already obtained all this or already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Isn't that right? Fourthly, life-changing. When the Holy Spirit works in my life and controls me in such a way that I have mastery of self, my life is changed. Just before we look at this, I wanted to, to flick over and show a clip from the movie Karate Kid. Now, Karate Kid tells the story of a young 12-year-old boy, Dre Parker, who goes, oh, just, can we hold it there, hold it there, Jane? And um, who shifts to China with his mum and he's really keen on learning karate, being a very good karate exponent. But his mentor, Mr. Han, wants him to learn some self-discipline and some, uh, some self-control before he gets into his karate. So as we watch the clip, see how the parallel of Mr. Han being a little bit like the Holy Spirit working in our lives, teaching us how to live right. And then actually we see at the end of the clip, the boy goes home, Dre goes home, and his mum is impressed with the way that his life has been changed. Okay, let's roll it. It's a good clip. Mr. Han? 
here. You know you have a car in your living room, Mr. Hahn. Okay. I was thinking about yesterday. I know that I was kind of freaking out about the tournament, but I realized something last night. I'm an athlete. My number one asset is I'm fast, okay? I'm quick. Right? I'm quick. Got speed. Cat speed. Bow, bow. See? I'm quick, yeah. See, and they used to take gymnastics that pow. That's the police athletic league, so check it, right? Boom, you see that? Boom, you see that? Yeah. See? My Uncle Raimi used to date this Brazilian girl, and he learned jujitsu and he taught some of it to me. And it's like locks and holds and stuff. Okay. Attack me. See that? Feel that? I could break it. I'm choosing not to. It's a pressure lock. Dangerous. Oh, and he also taught me copper wood, so. Can't touch me. Can't. That antique. Pick up your jacket. Oh. So basically, Mr. Hunt, what I'm trying to say is. I got a good foundation here. You know, like I said, I'm just... Might not be as hard to teach me as other people, you know? Hand it up. Okay. Right, but now... Take it down. You just... Take it down. Put it on. Take it off. I already did Take all this. Take it off. You just tell me why I'm Take doing this? Take it off. Hand it up. Take it down. Put it in the ground. Pick it up. Hang up. Take it down. Put it on. Take it off. Put it around. Pick it up. Hand it up. Take it down. Put it on. Pick it off. Have a car in your living room? No straight pocket. <clears throat> hey! So, how did it go? What'd you learn? Nothing. Doesn't the Holy Spirit sometimes have to persevere with us in such a way? But when we learn to live under the Holy Spirit's control, our life has changed, isn't it? Practice makes what? Permanent. Permanent.
Practice makes permanent. All right, sticky number two. Self-control is the inward rule or the regulation of every area of your life under the ultimate authority and rule of God's spirit in line with his word. And Paul, when he was writing and talking about this journey of, of discipline and self-control and, and mastering himself, he says, run to win. All the athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. And Paul was using the analogy of an athlete. He wasn't talking about running against other athletes as a competitor. He was talking about running against the challenges and the opportunities and the obstacles of our own lives. In fact, we are our own competitor. And the, the prize is not eternal life. It's not salvation. We have that as a gift. But the prize is to be able to stand in front of the Lord one day and for him to say, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've run the race well. Self-control, let me just, um, I, mean, I know I'm taking time, but give me a couple of minutes and we'll wrap this thing up. Self-control is a choice. As we all know that self-control is not always the easy option. To be disciplined, self-control is not the easy option. And as Paul uses the analogy of the, of the hard training and the regime of the athlete and all the hard work and the pain that the athlete goes through in order to win, a, to win a race, we know that it's not easy. There is pain in, self, <coughs> excuse me, in self-control and self-discipline. It's often easier just to do what we feel we should do, just to give in to our desires, to be angry or to be bitter, or to carry a grudge, or to lose our temper, or to give in to our passions and just to do what feels right. That's kind of the easy way. The problem is, is that easy way has its, has its own pain and eventually can, le- can lead to heartache and hurt and, and anguish and regret and guilt. See, we each choose one of two pains. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. You got that? We choose one of two pains. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The pain of regret is not just something that affects us, but the pain of regret affects those who are close to us as well. If I can go back to the thought I had beforehand about love, about the two bookends of the fruits of the Spirit, about love and about self-control. Because I believe that they're linked together. An element of my love for those that are close to me is, is expressed in, in the quality of life that I give them. In the, in the fact that my life is, has got it together. And so the, the, determining, the determining factor, the absence or the presence of self-control in my life just doesn't affect me. It affects others as well. And we've all heard of families or relationships that have been ripped apart, torn apart, because someone has lost self-control. I read a story the other day of a mum who, whose gambling was not really a major problem to start with, but it got a hold of her until she started to steal from her employer to fund the habit. Her criminal activity was discovered she was jailed, the family devastated. 
That is not an unusual story. We just have to read the papers daily to see that. Or the, or the father who abused, verbally abused his wife and his teenage son, now estranged from his family. See, it affects others as well. It's not just an individualistic thing. When I consider, when I consider those who are close to me, a good test, if you like, for how much do I love them is how much am I willing to give them a life that's disciplined and under control of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a good test for my love for others. Another way is this. My life is a gift. I've been given the gift of life, but my life is a gift to others. Now, you might say, well, listen, can we exchange it? No, you can't. But my life is a gift, and your life is a gift. And my, the gift of my life is determined by how much I'm willing to discipline myself and, and, and express the fruits of my life the love of my life expressed with the self-control and all the compressed, the rest of the fruit and the fruit bowl in between that I offer to my friends and those who love and care for me and those that I'm close to. Galatians 5 is not just about the individual, it's about community. And it's about how the community's life is enriched because the fruits of the individual are expressed. Not just this community, but the wider community as well. I was talking to someone the other day who said, we are talking about faith and that, and he said, you know, he said, I know some Christians, but the only difference with the Christians that I know is that they spend two hours in church on a Sunday morning. That's the only difference I see. That's a sad indictment, isn't it? But the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, should be so evident in our lives. It's not only enriching us as a community, but it's making a difference as this inherent energy of this living organism comes up within me and expresses his life through me in the world in which I live. Isn't that right? That's good. Let's stand and we'll pray, shall we? Holy Spirit, we, we come to you at the end of this morning and we, half an hour or so ago, we, we, we sung, we place you in the highest place. We still do. And Lord, we, if we're really honest about our lives, there are times when, when you're not always in the highest place. You're not always in the place of honour. You're not always in the place of control. You're not always in the place of lordship. Sometimes... Sometimes we kind of think that you're the unwanted guest at times, disturbing our way of life maybe when the challenges come out. Sometimes maybe you're a, you're a bit like a tenant who's not really paying his way. Or maybe sometimes you're like the squatter who's just taken up space and being difficult to deal with because of the challenges and the, the way that you want us to live. But Lord, we do, this morning we want you to take up full residence and full ownership and full control of our lives so that we 
could express this very life that's within us. So this inherent energy of this living organism that resides within us, the nature and the qualities of Christ himself would be evident in our lives as we live together as community, but also, Lord, as we live the other 166 hours in the week. May we be different because of the place of residence that you have been given in each of our lives. Help us to nurture that on a daily basis, even tomorrow morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, to give you first place, to nurture your position and to, and to give you room and space in our lives where you can reside and bring your control and bring your spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. All right, so did we learn uh, who's going to hang up their jacket when they go home? And um, what's, what's the valuable lesson? Make sure the water is working before you blow up something? Okay, so one of the things, um, we, we're going to have Peter come and share with us last night, and we're going to hear from a little bit of what we're doing in the community as well next week, so it's going to be an exciting time. But I just want to encourage you one last time that the fruit of the Spirit has nothing to do with a, a, a moral checklist that we get to say we've achieved something in the Christian life, but I love what Trevor was saying, that it's the expression of the life of God bubbling out in and through us so that it doesn't just impact ourselves in our own life, but that it directly impacts, first and foremost, those that are closest to you. Secondly, those that, you know, there should be this outward effect. So I just encourage you through this time that we've done intentionally to look at how can we connect to refocus on the life of God and seeing is he bubbling out and through us. So I just encourage you with that. So be blessed. Go on the, the peace and the love of God today. There's, as always, there's tea and coffee, but I'm sure many of you might need to show self-control um, with, with purchases and things like that. And maybe a lot more of us, and me included, need to sign up for the healthy nourish thing coming up where they teach us how to eat good food. Although the bad food tastes a lot better. I'm with Wilson. He's shaking his head. But we'll think about it. We and Wilson, we and Wilson might go. We're, we need to we need to pray and seek God on where he's leading us in self-control. Amen. Bless you all. We'll see you next week.